Hey there, lady. My name is Molly Conley, and I'm devoted to helping women reinvent their love lives, whether that's after divorce, dating on and off the apps, or in their committed relationship. Why? Because I've been there. I'm a former college athlete who filed for divorce three years into marriage, swam in the online dating pool into my late 30s, and now I am married to the man of my spreadsheet dreams who I met four months before the world shut down. As a dating and relationship coach, I help my clients shift the focus from being obsessed with finding Mr. Right to shifting to herself as Miss Right Now. We build a foundation filled with clarity, connection, and confidence, knowing she is worth waiting for. Each week on the podcast, I'll bring you love life insights and savvy guests where you will receive the courage to release programmed limiting beliefs. Discover patterns and behaviors restricting you from finding and attracting quality men and ways to choose yourself first so you can build a foundation for a healthy relationship with yourself and a partner. Hey ladies, welcome back to the Reinventing the Arena podcast. Today I have my husband Brad joining me for another couch conversation. Hello. It's been a while. Yes, it has. <laughs> I mean, it's been like maybe since May. It's been a few months. I know we've been meaning to do this for a while. We've, we've got several more we need to uh, do. Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, but this episode, we're going to be talking about, you know, my recent breast cancer diagnosis, surgery, and the recovery and everything that's been going on. And like, how Brad has been a wonderful caregiver and how that's really important to note when people do get cancer, like any type, having a caregiver is really important, but depending on what type of cancer and depending like what, what your situation is, the caregiver might not be getting the care that they need as well um, during that whole process. And we're also going to talk about um, how our relationship, I don't even know if it's like I would, not, I would not say it's like changed. It's just been, and I guess we could just say it's been reinvented, but the things that have really impacted and changed our relationship, I would say even just for the better. And some of those things that we, I personally don't think I thought about, um, you know, until recently when we've been discussing this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's evolved. It's, you know, this kind of significant experience going through this together, it adds up a level, you know, to the relationship that, you know, we'll get into, but yeah, it's just something you don't always anticipate happening, um, yeah. but it, it's, you know, changes in the way, you know, the way you go through these challenges, it definitely has an effect on the relationship and it's, you know, we've come out stronger or, or at least, you know, knowing each other better. Yeah, definitely. And so before we get started, I definitely want to say that my situation is extremely lucky. I will just be very blunt about that because first of all, like there's no can breast cancer in my family whatsoever. Um, this was really unexpected. I have other types of health issues. I think I've, I'm, I have mentioned on the podcast before that I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, and in the past I've had benign lumps in my breast when I was younger and they were removed like senior in high school and sophomore in college. And so that's what I thought this was. And we really um, didn't expect to have this surgery or this situation, let alone we know that we were very lucky. We got every almost everything we really, really hoped for. No radiation, no chemotherapy. Like I said, um, those certain things that we just were hoping we didn't have to deal with, um, like other people more than likely have had to. So wanted to start that off saying we all are 
the both of us are really, really lucky. I know that there's yeah. a lot of women that aren't. Um, so before we really get full into it, we do appreciate that. We are grateful for it every single day. And we know how um, we can only imagine what it would be like if it wasn't. So with this podcast episode, like I said, we just want to share our experience, what we did and how this has helped our relationship in a new way. Um, if you are someone who's going through this, or if you are a caregiver, or you know someone that does, that has this situation or needs assistance, I'm going to be also including links in the show notes for certain things. Um, so keep in mind if you wanted to share that with someone else. Do you have anything you want to say before we get started? Uh, no, I think that covered it. Okay. <laughs> so when a woman has breast cancer, no matter the stage treatment or surgery, the man is going to have a lot on their plate that might not have been there before. So everything from like childcare to household chores, to relaying information to family members, basically anything that's currently divided up between the couple has now transferred completely to him. Um, because we are child-free, we don't have any pets, and we currently live in an apartment versus owning a home, our situation is completely different than most families. And I will say also that due to both of us being previously married, um, divorced, and living on our own for years before meeting each other, it's greatly impact how we you know, prepared, how we communicated, and how we handled the first, oh, I don't know, like maybe the first few weeks after my surgery, all in a positive way. We did our best to tackle things together, but you know, we divided certain things up. I researched more about my results, um, what we would need, how things could go afterwards, as well as what type of surgery I would want, because I was lucky enough to have a choice. And as for Brad, he was extremely helpful by looking into the health insurance, um, the health savings account, talking to his managers about work, uh, what that looked like, you know, to care for me pre and post surgery. So. Brad, how about you talk a little bit more about that? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously I knew you were going to be busy with researching, you know, the, the, the disease, you know, the diagnosis, the treatment, the options, you know, surgery, recovery. So I want to make sure I took care of any kind of logistical financial items that I could obviously, you know, take that kind of burden away. I, you know, again, back to the kind of like, we're lucky theme, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have a job, work at a company that has a lot of flexibility, you know, to work at home, you know, unlimited time off. Um, I, I gave them a heads up really once we really knew that we were thinking, okay, you know, I need to be home for two weeks taking care of her. I said, you know, because I travel a lot for work. So I, I said, I need to block out this two week time where I can't really travel for inspections. I could do maybe very local stuff but I need to work from home because I need to take care of Molly. Cause I, I told them about her diagnosis or upcoming surgery. You know, I, I told the people in my office and the, my managers that I needed to tell, and they were all very understanding, you know, super, you know, concerned. And they would ask how Molly's doing uh, every once in a while. And so it really wasn't an issue. And again, I'm really lucky that way. So I was able to work from home for a couple of weeks um, to be able to, you know, care for her. Uh, so I'm glad I'd be able to, I was able to do that. Um, and again, really lucky that I work for such an understanding company. Yeah. And, you know, I guess I didn't even say this too. Like, I'm lucky that I own my own business in a sense where I can kind of, you know, put some things on hold or do an, just enough to make sure that people like you that are listening or my clients, you know, communicating with them, hey, there's going to be need a little bit of a break here, um, you know, 
people that I work with and people that like you that follow are completely understanding and under you, you can't only imagine what type of pause and <laughs> as being an ambitious woman, like you probably are as well, um, how nerve wracking it kind of was to actually put some of the business stuff on hold and to have clients kind of be like totally understanding and very supportive. But in the back of my mind, I was just, you know, personally dreading putting it on hold because I am such, I can be a workaholic. Um, so, um, yeah, but on a side note, one of the things that really did kind of stress me out was communication. And that doesn't mean like communication between me and Brad, but communication between all the family members, all the friends. And so in order to handle that, um, my parents recommended a site called Caring Bridge, and my dad previously had throat cancer. And so this was a way that they communicated um, with everyone that wanted to know and be a part of my dad's process. And that was so perfect. Um, the last thing I personally needed or we personally needed was being bombarded with text messages, phone calls from you know, immediate family members that wanted an update. So as we, we got that set up, I was very forthcoming of like what my results were, what we were going to be doing and how the communication process was going to be. It's just, I was very thorough. Um, but I let Brad handle all of that, the communication, the, the day of surgery, which extremely reduced my stress. Yeah. I mean, I made that, you know, I think you made the original introduction post before surgery. Then I made a couple of posts after certain, you know, right after, you know, when you couldn't really make those. Because I was asleep. And because I know, you know, obviously we, we knew everybody would want an update because they would, you know, texting us beforehand. So this was to avoid us both separately having to text family members or really me having to text everybody and, and do text change with both my family uh, and her family. Yeah. So Caring Ridge was great. Definitely recommend that because all I told us my family was here's the link. This is where we're going to be having information. Don't text her, <laughs> you know, because she, she doesn't have to be worrying about, you know, both sides of the family and all these people and friends texting her and responding to everybody. So. Yeah. And so we'll, I will keep or I will put a link um, to Caring Bridge in the show notes, too. So if you or someone else needs that, that's available. And it's free, by the way, just to get that started. Um, I know that people can donate to keep the site up and running, but I don't necessarily know if that's needed. Right. Um, but, you know, like we were talking about before. We researched a lot. Like, I think I, we still have a document, which is another little quick organizational thing. Like we use Google Docs and share them between each other for so many things, including yes. like a grocery list, <laughs> our weekend plans. We have a Google calendar we share, all this stuff. But we made like a Google Doc that included like all the things that we would need, um, the, the questions, the amount of questions that we had for every yeah. single person, all the follow-up things. Um, that we just kept this document. So I would research what I would need, you know, well before the surgery date and which honestly, in the beginning, I was extremely frustrated. So I was diagnosed in the beginning or the middle of May. And my doctor back in Omaha wanted me to like, hurry up, have the surgery in two weeks, like get this done and taken care of. And I was all for that. But here in St. Louis, you know, I took my time a little bit finding a doctor and there, we have one of the top 10 uh, cancer centers in the United States here in St. Louis. It's called the Siteman Cancer Center. Mm -hmm. um, and so getting in with a doctor, a surgeon actually took more time. And so we met initially with her and then to get the surgery done, we couldn't get it done until January or January, June 29th. So we had about four weeks to really prepare, um, which like I said, I was really frustrated with at first, but honestly it worked out for the best. 
um, I'm going to be recreating a, a list of all the items because I actually, like I said, had to research and find this and piecemeal it together. So I'm going to be putting it on my blog for future reference. Um, but my personal goal for this, yes, goal setter here, um, was to be healthy enough to be left alone for a weekend so that Brad could make this trip to see his guy friends in Chicago, which was in late July. So that had been previously planned. And what I was so excited about is how we, we were able to make it happen. Yeah. I did let them know right away that, Hey, I know we have this scheduled, but I may not be able to go. Cause you know, Molly's going to be the way we, what we were reading at the time, we thought it might still be iffy. Yeah. Um, you know, it ended up working out just fine. You know, she recovered great by then. So that was nice. And that was nice to hear her say that too, that she really wanted me to go. Obviously, you know, I wanted to make it happen, but you know, everybody was understanding that if I could yeah. make it, you know, because of that, you know, they would understand, but, that did work out really well. Yeah. And I, my, for me, I was like, you know, the type of people that we are is that we're very ambitious and goal setting people in different areas of our lives. And I wanted to him have something to look forward to because like I had my own things to look forward to, um, like being able to take a shower <laughs> on my own. Like that's so tough. And just even put that in here too. Like, you know, there's, a, that'll be a whole, you just make that a blog another time. Like having the aftercare from you, like was extremely helpful. Um, but I wanted him to have something to look forward to and get him out of the house. Um, this also would allow me to have my own alone time, um, which to be honest, like, I don't think I really needed because I just, in recovery, I slept quite a bit, which was fantastic. Um, but here's some recommendations I have to care for the caregiver. So making sure to give them space, you know, to be themselves and, and creating an outlet would be number one. Um, number two, Brad, you know, going to Chicago and, you know, our Colorado trip that we were, we were for sure able to take, you know, those are goals. Those are things that we had. And he, Brad and I both, like we talk about um, in other episodes that we both like to work out. So I wanted to make sure that he was still doing the things that he enjoyed. Then also, because number three, I'm a perfectionist and whatnot at times, I wanted to be able to reduce the real workload. So I had to ask myself, what's a real priority at home and what can wait? Like, do we need to dust? Oh, maybe we do, but do we need to do it every week? Or can we do it before the surgery? Like all those little things that we normally think of household chores, like something that we could take off the plate so that that person who is taking over some of the things that we've done doesn't have to do them or knows that it's a lower priority and we don't have to get to it immediately. Um, number four would be finding support. One of the fantastic things about the Siteman Cancer Center was that they had a therapist and a counselor that we could utilize, which we didn't have to, but that was so important to have that as a resource because we didn't even think about that. We kept telling people, we're going to use it, we're going to use it, but we never had to. Um, but there's also support groups, Facebook groups, there's cancer caregiver communities, and of course, friends and family. And number five, as the person receiving care, I always wanted to make sure Brad knew how much I appreciated him helping me. Um, I wouldn't be able to care for myself without him. And like I said, Brad, <clears throat> excuse me, Brad helped me get out of bed. You helped me brush my hair. You helped me wash my hair. You helped me get in and out of the shower. Um, you even helped me shower a few times yeah. until I could actually 
you know, move my, my hands above my ears. Like there's certain, and help me get dressed. Even I think there's so many little things you don't realize you need your arms for. And after surgery, like this type of surgery, you can't really move your arm above your head much. Like, I mean, I don't think we, I could reach for a long time, but, um, you know, like I have told other women, make sure you do those physical therapy moves they give you right away because it is extremely helpful. So Brad, what, recommendations or things would you say, um, to add to this or even just like piggyback on? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I from my personality, I'm, I'm, I feel I'm a, a problem solver by nature. I'm not yes. really a, a warrior or a panicker. Uh, I know you said a, a few times kind of like bef- before the surgery, you know, when you were looking at all the options and, and the diagnosis and, and things that could go wrong, you know, how you're kind of remarked how calm I was, I was being and, I, I, I didn't, I don't, and I didn't waste a lot of time worrying or thinking about the worst outcomes or anything else, you know, that is out of my control. I'm a, I'm a big, just, I try to control what I can because there's things that, that I'm not gonna be able to control. So I want to focus on what I can do and try to make the experience like the least bad it can be. It's not going to be yeah. a good experience. We, we both know it's not going to be a good experience. So how can we make it just at least, you know, the least bad? Um, <laughs> I knew you're going to do the research and you're going to go down rabbit holes and you're going to worry and that's natural. I'd be doing the same thing if it was, if something like that was happening to me. So like from my perspective, my thought mode is always problem solving, you know, step by step, you know, what do we need for recovery at home? You, you did that research and you came up with this list of things and it's like, okay, the pajamas, the pillows, the pads, the shower head, cup holders, you know, whatever. Great. Let's get that, you know, let go to Amazon, get whatever we can. You know, we even made a, a list that mm-hmm. our, our family could, they wanted to contribute. So we said, Hey, here's some stuff we need you know, buy that for us, you know, or help with, help with meals, yeah. DoorDash and, and, let and me, whatnot. Let me jump in here real quick yeah. too. So like real fast, I know you want to say more stuff, but when people say that they like, what can I do to help? You know, those are things because we don't have a very large friend or family community here in St. Louis. Cause we moved, um, having an Amazon wish list of the things that you yeah. know you need and like sending it out to people being like, this is the stuff we need. If you can get it here by this day, like that's how you can help $12 pajamas. I'm still wearing the pants right now. Like mm-hmm. I'm com- we're comfy mm-hmm. on the couch. Like some of these things we didn't need for very long. Some things I'm going to use, we're going to use forever, but that was so much more helpful in my opinion than like, here's a card. Yeah. Um, sure. you know, and, and DoorDash, like you said, and meals, because there's Things like that. I'm, I'm going to be including, that's the type of stuff that I'm going to be including on that mm-hmm. blog post I mentioned. So sorry, keep going. Yeah. Well, no, and even, you know, we did get family members to get a lot of the stuff on that list and there's still a few things left that you kind of wanted and you're like, well, you know, I know at some points you said, <laughs> well, maybe we can do without this or that. I'm like, it's like whatever dollars, you know, it, it's, it's cheap. It's like, no, you read that this helps. Mm. These other people recommend it. Let's just get all this stuff and that's fine. You know, that's not a problem. You know, I, I knew this would be, you know, scary for you, but I don't like, you know, I didn't want to make it scary for me. You know, I just focused on what, what we could do just to keep moving forward. So, you know, I knew I needed to be the support system. So that's just the mode that that I got into it. it, I have some experience in my life with kind of the caregiver role in my previous relationship. Um, My ex had a chronic health condition that required her to rely on me quite a bit from time to time. Um, Actually, my dad has been, you know, chronically ill for as long as I can remember. And so I've, I've seen my mom, you know, deal with that. And I, I think that was just how it kind of always part of my personality, 
you know, as a, a caregiver kind of slash fixer. <laughs> so, you know, when things happen in my life that, you know, require that of me, it, it, I mean, it came fairly natural. And that's also kind of the, the engineer in my personality too. Like I just take a very practical and problem solving based approach to these things and kind of everything when I can, again, like, don't worry about what you can or can't control, worry about the information you have and what you can do and just, you know, what's the next step. You know, I don't waste time or energy being scared or, or worrying because that, that doesn't help anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't think there's anything I wish I would have done differently. I, I think we did a good job of preparing, you know, our separate research, preparing, you know, your list. We got everything. I think we had a good plan and we executed it. I think in the end, we it wasn't nearly as difficult or bad as we thought it was going to be, but we were prepared yeah. for it to be. You know, yeah. we were prepared for you to be bedridden for two weeks and for me to have to help you do everything for two weeks. Yep. And, you know, it didn't end up being that long. So I think that was good. You know, you'd rather over-prepare. Well, I still needed, like, let's real backtrack. It's not like life went back to normal no, after yeah. two weeks. But I still needed you to help me. Like, I can't get a glass out of the cupboard. So, like, there's certain things, like how we had stuff set up. Driving. Dri- <laughs> driving. All those things that, like, going to appointments, all yeah. this stuff that you don't necessarily think about. Once again, like, range of motion. I, I actually kind of practice walking around with dinosaur arms being like, okay, so how far can I reach and how, you know, how high can I reach for things? Right. And so, yeah, it wasn't just two weeks, but probably about a month is what we had. Right. I think. Yeah. Until yeah. I was fully comfortable being able to be like, okay, I can get this or have this set up for me so that when you went out of town, I could still take care right. of myself. I started doing, you know, local jobs around town where I'd be gone for several hours. And be yeah. That, and that would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And then yeah. eventually, yeah, I went on the weekend trip to Chicago and okay. that was fine. All right. Sorry. Um, keep going. My bad. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I mean, as, as far as recommendations, you know, I, I think it's important for the caregiver to take time for themselves when they can. Um, you're going to get frustrated. You will get angry. There'll be times you want to be snippy or be sarcastic, you know, and I think those feelings are natural. Um, you know, you spend a lot of time focusing on the other person and doing those things and you know, you're helping, but sometimes it gets, it gets frustrating. You know, maybe you want to sit down and watch TV for five minutes, but then you got to get right back up and do something. But you know, when that happens, you just need to really think about why you're doing it and even, you know, put yourselves in their place and, you know, know that they'd be doing the same thing for you. I know, I know, I would have, you know, um, no illusions that Molly wouldn't be doing the exact same thing for me. And I'd be so doing, happy. Yeah. She's remarked. She said about that several times. Like, I hope that sometime I get to take care of you. And so <laughs> Brad you know, never gets sick. I, yeah. So I understand that. And, and, and you were also constantly saying thank you. And I would say, you know, you don't, I, I understand, you know, you don't need to thank me, but I, I know you. that's in your, your nature to be grateful and say thank you. And I, you know, I appreciate that. And it's probably better than if you had never said, done, say thank you at all, then that would probably be kind of weird too. But you know, um, you know, I knew you were grateful and, you know, I, I'm glad I was able to do it. And I'm glad things worked out and that it, it wasn't as difficult as we had, had planned. Um, but it's definitely, you know, a situation where, you know, you were a little, you know, somewhat helpless and I, you know, I needed to take care of you and you allowed that and you need, I think, you know, on your part, you need to be able to be taken care of. You need to allow yourself to be taken care of and not be, I know it's difficult, but you don't yeah. want to be too prideful and you know it's it's humbling i'm sure you know if i had to have you help me shower or lift stuff up for me or you know brush my hair things I like that i would do your hair really well yeah um you've asked me to do your yeah. hair yeah so i mean <laughs> i i just thinking about that it, w- it would be difficult to do so you need, you need to yeah. let the other person take care of you and know that 
they want to take care of you and they're willing to do that and not think of yourself as a, a burden. Yeah. You know, it's just now this becomes part of the relationship and when something like this happens. Yeah. And you know, it's, that's a really way to great way to segment into the next part. So how this affected our relationship, right? Like you can kind of tell we have a very solid foundation in our relationship. Our communication is strong and we're both comfortable with being open and vulnerable in our relationship. Um, one of the things actually, I had this conversation with a former client, like, um, recently how you are my number one, like you always put your relationship first, like Brad's my number one over my parents, over friends, everything. And like, when you choose each other over everyone else, like that is important because you can build so much more of that trust and reliability and honesty and open openness and vulnerability. Um, so it allows you to develop that healthy relationship, which is critical to having like smooth sailing during any types of crisis in your life. Um, but it's even more important when you need to rely on the other person for your well-being. So <laughs> I'm going to be honest, like not all relationships in my past, well, <laughs> none of my romantic relationships in the past had this solid foundation. Um, if I think right now going through this with anyone else that I had been in a relationship with like past long-term boyfriends or even my ex-husband, this would have been horrible. The trust that I had for this person that I dated or people that I dated, including my ex-husband was non-existent. Like they couldn't take care of themselves. So how could they take care of me? I trust Brad and I knew he would be able to help me through this. So one of my internal issues, which you kind of brought up, um, I wouldn't say it's pride. It's more or less fighting off my people pleasing side because I like to help other people and other people helping me feels, feels icky. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, I didn't want you to have to do everything for me, but I had to be okay with asking for help. And I'm also a recovering perfectionist. We've been through this before and I knew nothing was going to go perfectly. And I had to find ways to go with the flow, like wanting for like how we had to wait you know, to get my surgery scheduled farther out in June and even waiting in the surgery area. Thank God you were able to be with me and keep me distracted. Um, but that was, that was tough. I think I waited an extra hour or two in the waiting yeah. surgery room. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that stuff is just out of our control and because of the trust and letting go of both perfectionism and people pleasing, I was able to focus on the healing and the recovery process. So the stress of what was going on outside of just us was extremely low, which made the whole recovery process so much easier than expected. Do you have anything about that? Um, no, I mean, that's understandable. Like I said, I kind of alluded to it, you know, you, you know, whether it's people pleasing or, or pride or whatever, you just, you are feeling icky. Like you said, <laughs> yeah, you need to, you need to, you know, be humble and just let that person take care of you and, and know that it's not a burden. Yeah. But I will also say like having trust in him and my breast surgeon, her name's Dr. Aft, was extremely critical in these like tougher moments. She was so matter of fact, but in a way that's like way more our type of mentality. Here's the issue. So let's take care of it versus let me hold your hand and gently take you through the process. And that is just more of how I can handle going through a crisis. Yeah, she was good for us. But we had no issues whatsoever. We to us, it's just, okay, she's straight to the point, matter of fact, and that's good. That's what we want. She's not wasting our time and we're not wasting her time. Right, but I also don't think it's breast surgeons 
type of responsibility to hold your hand. I really do think that if you are looking, if you have breast cancer or any type of cancer and you're looking for someone to help comfort you, that needs, you need to be going to a specialist that handles that, that is more situated in therapy and support systems than just your doctor and your healthcare provider, because that is not necessarily their realm. I think it's a bonus if that is something that you do get. Okay. I mean, you're not going to go to your dentist and be like, I am so sorry and crying about this and that. And they're going to be like, oh, let me just massage your jaw for a second. No, like (laughs) that's not the same thing. And they're the, they're the surgeon They They have a limited role. And once the surgery is done, you know, they're pretty much done. So that's very true. Like, I'm not going to see her until May for my net, my, my one boob smush a year. Yeah. So (laughs) Um, actually won't even be her because she doesn't have to do any surgery. Um, but anyways, having that trust meant Brad would have the most amazing opportunity (laughs) to do things that typically I'd see a nurse or a doctor for. Um, I'm going to be honest, like the drains were probably the worst part of me or worst part of this whole process. Um, so I'm just going to say this now. Okay. So this might be a little gross. Um, but you have to measure the fluid that comes out of your drains, I think twice a day. Slowly, you're going to reduce like the amount of fluid where your drain can come out. And this can take like five to 10 days. Um, and sleeping upright on an angle on your back, because you're going to have to actually, you can't be able to sleep any other way, um, is going to help like get that excess fluid out. Anyways, Brad got a plate doctor <laughs> and removed my drains. I ser- seriously, it was probably like the worst part for me um, because it was the weirdest physical feeling. But once again, the trust was really there. Um, and with Dr. Aft, I mean, you can tell that part of the story. Yeah, I mean, we looked, you know, based on the, the amount of fluid coming out, it seemed like it, you could get them out like, like over a week on a Saturday and Sunday. So we wanted to call and see if that was a possibility, if they were open or if they could do it. Yeah. And so... We did. We called in the doctor's office just to talk to a nurse or somebody, but they ended up, you know, paging the doctor. She, Doctor App, calls right back, and so I spoke to her and, and told her what the numbers were, and she said, "Well, yeah, you know, you can you can make an appointment to come in, or or you could just do it yourself." And I was like, "Oh." And okay. by the way, I w- I had no idea this was going on. Like, yeah. Brad did not have it on speaker, but I got, I saw it on his face, like something was going on. I was like, "What? I want so this out. This is so uncomfortable." She said, "Yeah, you just have to, you know, snip that little the stitch holding it in and, and just pull it out." That, there shouldn't be any pain, what she said. Um, there wasn't pain. It was just really uncomfortable. Yeah. So this is like eighth inch, between eighth and a quarter inch tubing, plastic, clear plastic tubing, you know, inserted into your side. So let me just explain it. So like everybody knows where their sternum is and underneath your boob, you know, like if you were to pick up your boob right now, there's that little curve, right? That it makes. Well, that's where this tube drain starts. So it goes all the way to that farther side of your body and curves towards your sternum. And then it comes up and goes around the top of the boob. And then it goes down kind of by your armpit um, where the drain then is by your side underneath your arm. So Brad got to pull that out. Yeah. And that's probably about, (laughs) that was, there's probably about two feet of tubing. That was two. That cannot have been two feet. Not two feet. It was more than one. Well, then we'll just say one and a half. We were just going to say one and a half. Because it was kind of curled around inside of you. That's what I'm saying. Yes. It's like a C shape, a backward C. Right, right. So pull that out. Yeah. So that, but that worked out really well. Saved us a trip. 
it saved us. It saved us a trip. And I'm not going to say like it's, it wasn't bloody or anything. It was just no. pulling it out. Was, it's a little weird. Yeah, it was it a little was, weird. It was physically like, am I going to throw up? I'm just being honest. Like, yeah. that was gross. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> um, nothing else to add. Okay, yeah. great. Um, but what I also loved about Dr. Aff about was like how accommodating she was. So like calling the after hours line, um, I had a what I thought was a possible infection in the same thing. They paged her. She called me. Um, and she's like, well, actually, they don't want us to do this, but will you take a picture and send it to my cell phone and I'll call you back? And I was like, really? Okay. So I know that that's like a huge thing. If your doctor gives you their number, like that is gold. Don't ever give it out. Keep it for emergency po- issues only for when they ask you to. So I had Brad help me take a picture of my incision and I text her that like a few different you know, angles or pictures or whatever. And she's like, yeah, that's infected. Um, and what she was able to do was give me a prescription for like an antibiotic that would be for 10 days, but then gave me refills if there was ever a future issue. And guess what? There was, I had a second infection because I am way too ambitious and got like back in the water a little bit too early again. Um, and so I got infected, but, um, you know, something I know we, meaning Brad and I haven't talked about much on the podcast. I don't even actually think we have ever. Um, and we're going to go into now is how intimacy can change after breast cancer. Um, I know that's a fun segue from talking about the drains to this, but I had a lot of concern around body image once I decided not to get reconstruction surgery. And so before I get into the body image thing, just so that people are aware, because I wasn't aware, um, when you have breast cancer, it's not as easy being like, I'll just get a breast implant. It depends on so many different factors of like your breast size, tissue, all these things. Um, and I decided not to get reconstruction because it would mean that I would have to have multiple surgeries that could have taken months to even years to get like to finish out and then to heal from. So I've always been small chested. And my boobs really didn't make up my identity. And I know for some women, that's not the case. Like for them, that their breasts bring out part of their personality. It's part of their confidence. Um, it's really part of who they are. But I had to really look at it as just another body part that I really don't need for me. Um, my boob wasn't that important, especially because I knew later on that I could buy a prosthesis and it would be covered by insurance. So in fact, yesterday we went boob shopping yesterday, which is super fun to say I went boob shopping. Um, and it was such an effortless experience. So if you live in St. Louis, I cannot recommend the owner Catherine of Anne's bra shop enough in the Creve Corps Chesterfield area. Holy cow. She was so fantastic. Like we were in and out in less than 45 minutes. Yeah. I got a new bra and a, prosth- a prosthesis. Um, all of it for free and yeah, it's great. And then now we, now we have more bras that I get to that are coming and she's got to check them through insurance. And she also, one of the things that I really loved about her was that she's like, Oh, what health health insurance do you have? Oh, that health insurance um, more than likely covers this amount of bras. Like she has this stuff memorized. Yeah. She's been doing it for 30 years. This is her family business. And she was, yeah, she was excellent. Yeah. And she like even talked about her own personal issues with breast mm-hmm. cancer, um, how her grandmother had it. Like, you going to a mom pa shop, regardless, like a restaurant or something like this is just the treatment that you get, the more personality. I just, I just love it so much. So I cannot recommend them enough. 
anyways, with all of that said, when we were going through this process, I started to have doubts if Brad was going to be attracted to me. I think I asked you maybe three times. Uh, at least, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But what I didn't connect back then until like maybe when I was thinking about this episode was how this worry was deeply connected to my past, which you probably don't even know until right now. But the idea of not feeling attracted, like if my husband wasn't attracted to me, what is that going to do? Um, and in my past, when I haven't felt attractive, you know, it's like, okay, do I, I need to work out. I need to change what I'm wearing. I need to get boost my confidence doing this and here. And like, I know a lot of women can relate. Um, but at the same time, like past relationships of mine, I've been cheated on by ex boyfriends and my ex husband cheated on me with numerous women. And so for me, I was like, if, if I'm not attracted, if Brad's not attracted to me anymore because of not having with now only having one boob, um, is that, you know, the rabbit hole went down is he that mean going to cheat on me or find someone else that he wants to be with? And so like, I had to really self coach myself and put myself in check, knowing that our relationship was not based off of a boob and really reminding myself of all the wonderful things that I talked about here about how strong our foundation of our relationship is. Um, and so when you get to this point of like, if this is you, if you have breast cancer or or you know someone that is like this body image thing is going to be with you for quite some time. Like I didn't think it was going to be an issue afterwards because I was like, oh, I'm solid in how I feel about my body. Everything's great. But also you lose so much muscle mass because you're not using your muscles. Like you, you gain a little bit of weight. You might lose a little weight too, or things aren't going to be as toned as much if you're an athlete because your body just isn't moving. It's in recovery time. And so that's something to think about. And even, you know, wearing certain clothes, like I didn't feel comfortable until recently yesterday wearing anything that would be tight on me because I only had one boob. It would look weird. And so I had to be really cautious in my mind of like, what am I going to wear out in public? I don't want someone to be like staring at me for only having one boob, all those sort of things. And now having prosthesis, like my confidence is back to normal. Like I feel so much more like myself. So a lot of this body image stuff, you know, you notice that it's your, it's, internally your issues that you need to work through and think about or work with someone on. Um, but that also, like I said, impacts your relationship and it impacts maybe your confidence of like having intimacy together. So what I appreciated was when I asked you these questions, you responded in ways that, you know, shared to me, like our relationship is so much more than just our bodies, because that's really what marriage is about too. It's like, you're going to get old. You're not going to be perfect like ripped abs when you're, well, maybe you, who knows what you're going to look like. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to have ripped abs at 70. I don't have ripped abs now. That was back when I was swimming in college. So bye-bye. But you know, um, you never know how your body's going to change. What do you want to say? Yeah, no, I, I mean, and I kind of figured you'd have some concerns like that. It's only natural. And, but at the same time, it's like, I, it wasn't a big deal to you. And it, it wasn't a big deal to me because really what comes down to what's the difference. I mean, what's, what's really changed you know, not, I mean, nothing's changed about you. Nothing's changed about our relationship. You know, I, I thought it was, I thought it was good of you and interesting, you know, you kind of, you know, showed me your scar early on, you know, we dealt with the scar, like, okay, that's, yeah. it's there. That's what it is now. I mean, it, it was, we didn't make it a big deal. Um, you know, I helped you, you know, take care of it. And, and I thought you did a great job. It seemed like you were confident and, you know, it wasn't, you weren't, you know, maybe in private, you were, I don't know how much you were really mourning a loss of the boob. I don't think you were, you know? And so I, I took that 
cue from you and 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 I didn't either you know I, I think that we just moved on you know it's yeah like, okay well this is what it's like now you have a, a very large scar there but that's a that's just what it's going to be yeah and taking care of the scar is a whole nother thing but at the same time like I'm glad it wasn't a huge issue for us because I can't, I feel like now we're even closer, like our communication is even stronger. We can talk about our health more openly and even like be more proactive. Like the things that you right now are doing for your health, if we even wanted to talk about some of those things, like you're just doing some of the stuff that is needed for, you know, people that do these things in their 45s, 50s age range, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're getting to that point where I, yeah, I need to have those yearly things done or if, if, you know, there was an issue a couple of months ago where I felt some pain and I didn't say anything right away. And it, <laughs> it had the potential to be something bad and it turned out it wasn't luckily, but just, yeah. you know, I, I, as soon as a couple of days went by, I'm like, oh crap, I really should have said something because now, you know, it's, it's not going to be good. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, communicate, you know, um, you know, tell, you know, if something's wrong, you know, make sure you tell your partner and, and, and talk about it, you know? So yeah, you don't want to keep health things a secret, even if you think it's nothing. Mm -hmm. If you have some weird pain, don't ignore it. <laughs> yeah. And like one thing that another thing just to discuss too here, it's like not just because ju just because my breast is removed and the cancer, like they say, they don't see any, they haven't had any traces. It never got to my lymph nodes. Basically I'm cancer free, but that doesn't mean treatment's done. Right. So for me, I had to take, start taking a um, hormone replacement pill to reduce estrogen. And what I'm very thankful for is that because of our communication, we're able to discuss like, how is this really working? And for me, what I was taking, it was, was not working for me within two weeks. I was, I'll just be nice and say I was a raving bitch. Um, but Brad was at home, so he didn't really get to see it. Like my anger was out of nowhere. Um, for me that that's how the pill works, but most of the time people get really depressed. Um, they can have really big mood swings. I was having hot flashes. I was insomnia like for me just even if you've ever been an athlete can you imagine getting down to maybe getting five to maybe even four hours of sleep on a consistent basis every single day i know i had a, i had one person tell me well that's what it's like being a mom and i was like no i don't i don't accept that as an answer like that's just crazy to think um but I didn't want to live my life that way and we we came to the discussion of like that's not great quality of life we're still really young and we made the choices together that, you know, I was going to stop taking this medication. We're looking into new options, but those are also things to think about. We have to be flexible with our goals and our plans for the future because we still have hypothetically five years of treating this. Yeah. So, uh, no, I mean, that's a good point. Just discussing the options. I'm not, yeah, it, it's your, you know, body and your, your medication. And I, I could tell it was having an effect and I, you know, I would never say, well, the doctor said you have to take it. So you have to take it. You know, that's, that's not my attitude. I'm sure that could be somebody's and, yeah. you know, like, well, no, do you know better than the doctor? Like, no, I mean, you need to be your own advocate. You know, you know how it's affecting your body. You know, like you said, the nurse didn't even really believe you. And I think that was a common thread among, you know, some blogs we were listening, you know, we were, we were yeah. reading about this medication is that the women were saying one thing and the doctors were like, no, that's, that's not it. Or, or, you know, whatever, suck it up, this and that. I'm like, well, no, I'm not, I'm not about that. Like if, I could tell it wasn't going to be a good quality of, of life. So let's look at other options, you know, and if you choose not to take medication or whatever, you know, I yeah. support that too. Like, but yeah, you got to talk about it. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point before we kind of end this out. Um, you are always 
allowed to get a second opinion. I, I really vouch for that. Yeah. Um, my doc, Dr. Aff already told me like, if I don't like, you have to go to an oncologist after you have your surgery done. Like that's the next step they help with. There's a radiation oncologist. If you have to do radiation or chemotherapy, um, an oncologist, like the pills I'm taking, the hormone replacement is considered like a chemo med or whatever. I think, I don't really know. Um, but needless to say, they now are taking care of you for the next five to 10 years to help make sure that you're cancer free. So they do like a checkup every six months if you don't have radiation, all that. And so if for some reason I didn't like my oncologist, I could go find another one. And it doesn't even have to be within the same healthcare provider. I can find someone that's covered by an insurance in a whole different hospital system. Um, I can go back to Dr. F and say, I don't like this doctor and I want someone else. And she would find me someone else or whoever's available. So these are the things that people need to keep in mind too, that when you're going through cancer treatment, or if you know someone that is allow them to have options, because really this is your life that you are treating your body. Yes. There's experts in certain areas, but you're going to find too, like more reading that you do. One doctor is going to say something here and then another doctor is going to have a whole different option here. Or maybe there's a certain treatment or a, um, a, a study going on that maybe you want to take some experimental medication. So there's a variety of stuff that um, just keep your open mind, research in a, in a positive way, not go down a rabbit hole like I did to where all of a sudden I was like, am I going to have this issue pop up or am I going to have this moment? Um, I only had a few of those, but um, it, that which like you said, is pretty normal. So yeah. All right. Well, ladies, thank you for tuning in and listening to this. If you have any questions or whatnot, you can always feel free to reach out to me. Um, I might obviously not know the answer, but I'd be open to sharing any other experiences with you. Or if you have any questions like, you know, around breast cancer or what links we might have used, because there, there's quite a few. Um, but honey, thank you so much for joining and sharing all about this and our, you know, new adventure in a yeah. sense. So. Well, thank you for having me. It's always fun to have Brad join me on the podcast. I hope you ladies enjoyed the, you know, natural flow of the conversation that we had. But like I said, I'll be including some links in the show notes for you or anyone you may know who's going through a very similar situation. Oh, and by the way, has there been something you've been wanting me to discuss on the podcast? Well, now you can submit a topic for an episode on my website. I will include that link also within the show notes. Have a wonderful day, lady, and I will chat with you again soon.